Hey, Moving Forward listeners, believe it or not, the holidays are right around the corner. So get the ball rolling and get your ducks in a row. The Corporate Clichés Coloring Book makes the perfect white elephant office party gift or surprise stocking stuffer for your favorite work-from-home colleague. It's available now on Amazon. You can also find quick links at bemovingforward.com and in the show notes for this episode. Let's celebrate the holidays with some low-hanging fruit and a bubbling glass of synergy. Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 448. I hope everyone is having a great week. Welcome to our new listeners. I do recommend uh, check out episode 000. That'll give you an overview of moving forward, how to approach the series and or the podcast. And uh, because there are many different ways you can go about it because there's so many different types of episodes. Just as a reminder, I have set up a poll, which will be up for a couple of weeks and uh, if you are interested in a pre-recorded, self-paced version of my writing and self-publishing a book class, uh, please vote in that poll. Uh, just because my uh, and this came to me because my second class is underway uh, through the Johns Hopkins Odyssey program, but that is a scheduled live. Uh, course, even though it's online. And I had a number of people say that they wanted to take it, but the schedule didn't work out. So if you would be interested in a self-paced version of the course, let me know because that's something I'm considering uh, doing for 2024. I've also added a, a Q&A question on what are some of your best decluttering tips as I'm doing this decluttering series. Uh, please feel free to share those. Uh, your tips and your best practices for that. Uh, and they're running on a number of these episodes, so feel free to uh, respond to any of them. And uh, I may end up uh, reading any of the responses on air or on a future episode. All right, uh, before we get started, just wanted to add an additional note on Pango Books. I mentioned last week that I actually had two suggestions that I had emailed were sent to Pango for consideration to maybe develop further the platform. And I think I only mentioned one, one of which was the HTML embed, the the ability to embed your Pango bookstore uh, on a website or in a blog. Currently, there's really no way to do that. You can just add a hyperlink. Um, and I've done that on several parts of my website at bemovingforward.com. In fact, there is a bookstore link at the very top of the menu, which will take you right there. But I think an HTML embed was would be a great option. That was one of them. The other one that I did not mention on last week's episode was a sharing function. And, and this is carrying over from my experience on Poshmark. One of the things about Poshmark that makes it unique is that you have the ability to, uh, I guess for... Uh, a word churn, if you will. You can churn your listings. You can refresh them by sharing them. And that helps with a lot of uh, SEO. That helps with visibility. But they also have a party system, dedicated hours every day in which uh, you can share specific categories of items. And I think Pango, because it is so similar to Poshmark, I think that is one feature that would be great is if you had the ability to churn your listings by sharing them out or if they had dedicated party hours in which you could share genres of books or books by a certain author, I think that would be a natural fit. But Pango is a newer platform, so I get that they're probably 
uh, thinking of different ways of uh, growing that platform and probably growth is their biggest, uh, or user growth is probably one of their biggest uh, um, concentrations right now. So, but uh, they did email me and said, thank you for the suggestion and, and said they would forward that onto their development team. Regardless, it, I think it is a great platform. Uh, in fact, uh, since I've recorded last week's episode, I did sell my eighth book. And so going at a pace about once a week, once every other week. Now I have a number of different books. Uh, and if you go to my Pango bookstore, which is uh, linked in most of the write-ups, and again, it's also on the main website, you will see that I have close to 100 books listed. And But at the pace that I'm going, it's pretty good. Selling a book about once a week, once every other week is actually not a bad pace. I would say uh, with eight sold, I'm a little bit under 10%, which actually is a pretty good batting average in terms of sales, uh, considering I'm not doing a whole lot. Again, there's no sharing feature. There's no uh, ability to really get your listings in front of more people. So a lot of this is driven by if people are looking for a specific type of book, uh, and it's really going to depend. I would say that the books that I've sold most of them have been classics or books that are very popular by authors like, say, from Stephen King. So that's kind of the category that I've noticed most of the books that I've sold have been in. Obviously, you can also share your Pango bookstore on social media. So that's probably one of the most direct ways you can market your bookstore. All right, where am I with the decluttering? Speaking of the decluttering series, I just had another uh, big pickup from Purple Heart, one of the organizations that I've mentioned on a couple of episodes ago. Uh, Purple Heart, I think, has become one of my favorite go-to places for donation pickup. Uh, and this was a number of older clothes that I had unearthed in both in my storage unit uh, and um, also in my dad's garage. And as I mentioned, and a couple of knickknacks as well, uh, there were actually some childhood toys and things like that. And I'm going to devote a fuller episode to discuss this category because it's a little bit separate than uh, the general clothes category because this goes a little bit more into sentimental items. But for today, what I thought I would do on this episode is talk a little bit about one of the books that I've read on uh, this whole process that has been really influential and that I've learned a lot from and that I think is a great resource. And I do it's one I do recommend. And it is uh, Marie Kondo's book. Uh, she wrote a very popular best-selling book. I had a number of friends who had read it, including uh, one friend, my friend Angelo, uh, who I've talked about on prior episodes. I was the voiceover for his audio book. And uh, he actually read the book even before it became extremely popular. He read the book around the time that it first came out. And he became a fan of the the Marie Kondo method and started that out fairly early on. And the method is called the KonMari method. And what I'm going to do is on the first half of the episode, I'm going to share kind of five big takeaways that I got out of the book. And then on the second half of the episode, I'll talk about which of those aspects worked well for me, which of them did not, and how I kind of tweaked it uh, for my own. But it is a book that I recommend, and I think uh, I have it linked in the write-ups for the decluttering series. These are affiliate links, and I've got a couple of the other books that I'll be talking about on future episodes. So let's start with the five takeaways 
And the first one is she has a very specific approach to minimalism or decluttering. And I think Marie Kondo does go more towards the minimalism school. And I talked about the difference between the two last week, really getting to a point where you, you are very, very uh, minimal, <laughs> for lack of a better word, in what you own, that you, you really have a very pure uh, connection to what it is you keep uh, and that everything else uh, should be discarded. But uh, the first kind of major uh, keystone or cornerstone for her method, the KonMari method, is she starts with categories. And so she's very much a categorical person when it comes to this whole process of thinning out or decluttering. And she starts uh, specifically with clothing. And her justification is that it is the easiest category to start with. It is the category that you can probably make the most headway with very quickly. And it's probably the category that you're going to have the least sentimental ties to because oftentimes we will have clothing that we have bought, whether it's an impulse buy or a gift that we just end up not using and storing away. And that's what causes our closets and our drawers to bulge and, and all of that stuff. She, she starts with the clothing and then she suggests from there, go to books. So from clothing to books. And then the third category after that is paper. And specifically with paper, she focuses a lot on uh, just receipts and documents, whether they're legal documents, tax documents, that sort of, sort of thing. That's how she just defines paper. And then uh, the next category is what uh, she would categorize. I think she calls it konmaro. It's, uh, it's a Japanese word, and I believe it stands for just miscellany, knickknacks, so think of all the little knickknacks where miscellaneous things you might have. They might be gifts. They might be keepsakes. They might be just random objects that you've collected over the years. The last category from there is sentimental or personal items, items that have a lot of meaning to you. That would include photos. That would include letters. That would include um, uh, any items that have a strong sentimental value. Maybe they're from a, a long-lost loved one or they're items you've had for a long time. So that that's the, the categories and the order of the categories that she recommends. The second major keystone that she has for her KonMari method, and this is one that I think is the through line for her entire book, is the Sparks Joy Test. So the way she recommends you go through the minimalism or decluttering process is to go through each category and put everything in that category. Let's say you're starting with clothes, put it all into a pile and feel each item. And she has what's called a sparks joy test. And basically the idea is, is that when you find an item, especially it's an item, if it's an item you haven't seen in a while, and you're kind of on the fence about whether or not to keep it or get rid of it. She says you have to hold it. And the way she describes it is if it sparks joy. In other words, if that item, the act of seeing it and touching it, elicits this incredible joy inside of you, this happiness, then that is an item to keep. Otherwise, discard it. That's pretty much the rule. And she calls it the sparks joy test. And she 
pretty much uses that test throughout the entire book and with every single category. All right, the third uh, uh, key point, which is related to the Sparks Joy, uh, Joy Test, is to, in fact, touch every single item. As you're going through the piles, touch every single item, and if you decide to discard it, thank it before you either donate it or throw it away, okay? Number four, point number four is uh, basically once you've figured out what you're going to discard, just donate it or throw it away. And to that, Marie Kondo recommends do a massive amount at, at once. In other words, she suggests going through all those five categories, maybe devoting a full day to that and going through and making as much headway as possible. And, and her argument is that if you do this piecemeal, then there's a greater risk you're going to lose momentum and that at some point you're going to stall out. So in other words, if you're going to do clothes, you're going to devote an entire afternoon or day to just going through clothes. And then same with books, paper, knickknacks. And she's a big proponent of doing this as quickly and efficiently as possible. Okay. And then finally, I would say the fifth uh, keystone to her KonMari method is that whatever you end up keeping has to be organized in a specific way. And in fact, she has very specific methods for organization when it comes to the categories. Now, I'll give you an example. For clothing, she suggests a specific way to fold all of your items. She's not a fan of, say, bundling socks and, you know, that, that method that most people do, and I used, I do this as well, is just that when you have a pair of socks, you just kind of fold the open end so that they're kind of cuffed together. And she's not a fan of that. She wants everything kind of laid flat vertically, shirts, pants, they should all be folded and basically stacked like a deck of cards. So in other words, when you open your drawer, you'll be able to see everything you own in that clothing drawer. She's not a fan of stacking things on top of each other. She says they should be stacked vertically like a stack of cards where, you know, if you look at a bookcase and you see the book binding, essentially each item should be visible. And uh, that's kind of the fifth major takeaway that I got from her book. All right, when we come back, I'm going to share with you what aspects of those five touch points work for me, which ones do not, and kind of my variation on it. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, here's today's Poshmark Power Tip. Save time at the post office by using a self-serve kiosk, if available, where you can scan packages, have receipts emailed or printed out, and if your location offers after-hours access, you can scan and ship packages on evenings, Sundays, and holidays. For more Poshmark seller tips, check out the Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses, which is available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and as an audiobook on Audible and Apple Audiobooks. Start learning and moving forward today. All right, we're continuing on. This is episode 448, and I am talking today about the five big takeaways from Marie Kondo's KonMari method, and uh, I covered that in the first half of the episode, and now I'm going to talk about each one in turn, what worked for me, what didn't, and what my method is uh, that, that I used for my particular circumstance. Now, for those of you who've been following the uh, miniseries, uh, you'll know that uh, and and just as a uh, to bring up to speed anyone who's just listening to this episode, uh, my circumstance is a little bit different. I'm not simply decluttering my home. I'm actually doing triple duty with uh, that involves not only my home, 
but stuff that I have at my dad's house and I'm helping my dad as well because he kind of caught the the decluttering bug as I started doing this. And even his workshop, we've extended this whole process to his uh, store and just uh, decluttering a lot of uh, unnecessary items there. So let's start with the first takeaway from Marie Kondo's book, The Categorical. In theory, I think it is the way to go. And if you are only decluttering one location, then by all means, I think that's a pretty good order to follow. Clothing, books, paper, uh, knickknacks, and then sentimental. Uh, For me, it didn't quite work. And in fact, I didn't start there. Where I started was actually even more basic than that. And if you listen to the early episodes of the uh, of this series, you'll know that I started with plastic. <laughs> and I'm talking flimsy plastic because one of the things that I was a pack rat of was plastic bags. And, you know, think of takeout bags, grocery bags, that sort of thing. And uh, even though I now mostly use reusable uh, grocery bags that I take to the store, and now, you know, I the, uh, where I live, there is a uh, plastic bag tax. So that's another incentive or disincentive to use those. But I had uh, accumulated a lot of that. And similarly for certain things, like I talked about with my media collection, my DVD collection or CDs, uh, I had a lot of these were still had the uh, shrink wrap uh, somewhat loosely around them. And some of the items have, have not even been opened. And so I started there. That was much easier for me was to go through and purge the flimsy plastic. The next category for me was paper and not the type of paper that Marie Kondo talks about, but I started with something I call fluttering paper because in addition to pack ratting plastic bags, I also pack ratted a lot of paper bags. And in fact, I was probably more notorious for saving paper bags than anything else, shopping bags, uh, takeout bags, that sort of thing. And gift bags. Think of those types of bags. Any any of the bags where you had that shiny paper or that uh, nice quality paper with the the handles. You know, I always thought, you know what, the, I might need that. And that was really what I talked about on those episodes. This whole mentality of I might need it one day, but I had accumulated way too much. So what worked for me was actually going through the flimsy plastic and the fluttering paper thinking of those as categories, separating paper into different types of paper. And actually what also worked for me was piling it in the middle of the floor uh, because that gave me a perspective of, wow, this is just way too much. How much space is this taking up? And for me, that's where I started. I didn't actually get to clothing until, uh, until after I'd finished fluttering paper. And clothing did not end up being a one-time thing for me because I had clothing in multiple locations. So I I, clothing probably took about took about three or four different occasions to really thin it down. And I actually started with uh, my closet full of old suits that I hadn't worn since my earlier careers, and uh, I started with that, and that was a, a whole process there. And then I moved to my drawers. And then uh, one of the things that I did was I had to separate out clothing that I wasn't going to wear and needed to donate, but also clothing that was so old and worn out that it really wasn't in good condition to be uh, donated. And that uh, rather than throw that out, 
I look for ways to donate. And I, and I mentioned on that episode that I found a specific drop-off uh, where they collect scraps of fabric for recycling. Because as I talked about, uh, fabric waste is a huge uh, global problem. And, um, and so the ability to find a place that would take uh, old fabric and recycle it, reuse it, whatever, uh, I think was a real kind of boon because, I mean, we're talking bags of stuff. Um, so clothing was not a one-time thing for me. And so I would say in theory, Marie Kondo's method for specific categories is a good one. But when it came to which categories I started with, I didn't start with clothing. And when I got to clothing, it wasn't a one-time deal because I had multiple locations I was working with. And even to the, the past two weeks, I unearthed more clothing, which actually falls more into the personal sentimental than it does the clothing category. And and as I mentioned, I'll devote a a future episode to that. Uh, But the piling does actually is a very good way of sorting through things. And I think it gives you perspective, if for nothing else, as to how much space this stuff is taking up. And you can also potentially see how much space you're freeing up. So that part of the KonMari method, I'm a big fan of. Whatever category you're doing, put it in a pile. Now, the other thing I will say is I didn't do the strict categories one at a time. Although it makes sense on paper, uh, for me, I was thinking about uh, while I was decluttering, say, the paper, uh, I also thought about old computer equipment and while that was kind of a pain, it was also in some ways the easiest category and one of the most uh, necessary categories that we had to purge because this this was not only something that I had uh, accumulated, you know, old laptops and things like that, but my dad's workshop had several old PC terminals that um, we didn't know what to do with. And so actually my mind just went there. It wasn't a a specific methodical, okay, I'm going to go to PCs now. I just, it just came to me and that I, we could take care of in about an afternoon. And that was a matter of figuring out a way to uh, extract any data that we had from some of these old laptops. And I talked about, you know, one way to do it is if you can't boot up those computers and actually remove it, uh, then you could take out the hard drives. And I talked about, uh, you know, donating to a nonprofit that would pick them up, which was great. If you don't have something like that, then uh, obviously there are many uh, charities and schools and things like that that you can check with. So I actually jumped from category to category. So it wasn't as if I stuck to one category. And even with paper, I had to split up paper into different categories. I couldn't just do paper all at once because... I had categories of paper, say, paper bags. And then when it came to things like receipts and important documents, I'm still working on that. It's it's not something that I could feasibly do in one sitting in one afternoon just because of the sheer amount of files that I have that have accumulated based off of the different things that, you know, I've worked on, but also based off of the fact that I'm a pack rat. So doing one category at a time while in theory is great, and it may work for you, It did not work for me. All right, let's get to the big one. I think Marie Kondo is mostly known for the Sparks Joy Test. I mean, in fact, even people who haven't read the book will probably be familiar with this. There have been many articles written about it. 
it's really the hook for her book. It's, it's really what uh, a lot of people gravitate to. I will say this. The Sparks Joy test just doesn't work for me. If I go through, as I was going through my things, uh, I'll give you an example. You know, shirts. There were a a couple of vintage t-shirts that I found that I unearthed that I immediately knew I wanted to keep. And so I kept them, regardless of the fact that I haven't seen them in a long time, that I haven't worn them in a long time. But I would not describe the feeling that I had as Sparks Joy. And in fact, as I was going through, uh, I kind of realized I can't use the Sparks Joy test because if I did, the only thing I would keep would be maybe a handful of t-shirts, which I don't even describe the feeling as I got as Sparking Joy. And uh, as I joked with a friend, if if that were the test I were using, I'd probably have to go and, and buy a donut because that's probably the only thing I could think of at that moment that would spark joy. So a couple of t-shirts and a donut, which makes the Sparks Joy test not feasible for me. And so I had to think of a different way. And I had to approach this in really kind of a, a two-step process, which I've talked about. Uh, number one, have, have I seen this in a while? And I usually use the two-year litmus test for certain categories, such as magazines. Uh, I could have applied a five- or ten-year test. So that was a big part of it. If I haven't seen it or used it in a while, it's a good candidate to get rid of it. And the second is, does it have a purpose? Uh, Is it something that I need or is it something that I want? So there's a utilitarian aspect to it. If it's something that I need or I'm going to use, then yes, I'll keep it. If it's something that I want, even if it doesn't serve any particular purpose and like the aforementioned uh, t-shirts or in the uh, magazines, I did keep a small box because I discovered some of these were valuable and uh, I might be able to resell them. That was part of my calculus. So I went with a very practical, uh, not nearly as sexy as Sparks Joy, but it worked for me. I had to come up with a different test in order for me to decide uh, what I would keep and what would, what I would discard. So for some of you, Sparks Joy might be a, a test you can use. It's just something I never got a handle on. It's, it's something I don't think I ever experienced with any of the items I was going through. Certain items, yes, had a strong um, pull, and uh, certain items that I kept, I, I would say I had a, a strong attachment to, but I wouldn't describe anything that I was going through as sparking joy. Uh, and, and that might be more just in the matter of that th- things really are not, they don't usually spark joy for me. And uh, so it, while I, and it's unfortunate because I would have loved it if I could have experienced that because then if that were the test, maybe this whole process would have been easier for me. But just know that if you go through this and you decide to do this, and if the Sparks Joy test doesn't quite work for you, you're not the only one. So I would say come up with your own test. And if you can't, the one that I came up with, the two-part test, I think is not a bad one to use. All right, point number three, touch each item and thank it before you let it go. First of all, I think that is a good idea. Just as you're going through the items, do touch them. Do, especially if they're older items and items that 
you have some sentimental connection to. And that is one of the big things that I had to wrestle with was that as I was going through the category, some of the items had more sentimental value for me. Even some of those old magazines, uh, some magazines that I had had or books that I, that, that I had had, uh, it was, uh, it triggered memories that I didn't, <laughs> that were kind of uh, sleeping for a little while, as I will say. And so I think it's a great idea. I think touch those items. Um, I think practically speaking, you should, because as you go through your old clothes, you want to make sure there's nothing in the pockets. And I strongly recommend you do that because you may find things that you, you've kept in those pockets that you need, whether it's money or some other important item, you'll be surprised as what you're going to find. So for that very reason, it is a good idea to physically go through each of those items. Now, that's not going to be as necessary for things like plastic wrap or paper, but um, do go through those items. And as weird as it sounds, I think thanking it is actually a very good practice and it's something that I have done especially as I'm getting more into sentimental categories. And in fact, I take it a step further. If I come across something sentimental that I know I don't need or really want to keep, that's where it gets tricky. Uh, What I will do is I'll actually reminisce about it. I will think about the time that maybe that possession came into my life. I'll think about the memories. And um, if in the case of certain items, if you know, they have shared sentimentality, uh, such as some of the college stuff I, I found. I will take pictures of it and send them to some of my friends. Like I did that with some of my uh, college or law school friends just to say, hey, look at this, what I came across. And then we're, with my dad, obviously, there were certain items in, our, in his house that we went over together. Uh, I think that's a great idea. And I think before you let it go, thank it and, and say goodbye. Thank it for... You know, I know you're, it's, it sounds a little weird because you're um, uh, anthropomorphizing, I think that's the word. You're, you're giving almost human qualities to an inanimate object. But if you feel a sentimental connection to it, you've already done that to an extent. So what you're doing is you're saying goodbye and thanking an item for whatever memories that it gave you. And I have found that that has made the process that much easier. Because sometimes it is hard. And especially as you start purging and decluttering more and more, you're going to eventually get to those items that are much harder to part with. So yes, I'm a big proponent of that uh, of that particular practice. All right. Uh, I would say point number four, donate, throw away. Uh, yes, uh, that I, a big part of my decluttering journey has been finding specific organizations to donate to. When it comes to things like PC hardware, when it comes to uh, clothing, when it comes to even small pieces of furniture. And I've mentioned a lot of those organizations and I have them listed in the write-up. Many of these are are available nationwide. So uh, if you are, uh, if you have a number of old computers or even electronic equipment that you need to purge or uh uh, clothing, many of the organizations I've talked about are available in different parts of the country. Um, but I'm also a proponent of selling. And I've talked about this with books, with Pango books. Uh, that's one thing that I'm doing. And that's something that Marie Kondo doesn't emphasize as much. I think she has a couple of mentions here or there. But I do think it's important not just to 
throw away or donate everything, there may be certain items that you want to part with but may have a, a, a value to them, a significant value, and it may be worth your time to set aside those items and list them for sale. Now, as I've talked about on uh, with selling books, that's going to require holding on to them for a little bit longer. But I think by the process of actually listing something for sale, you're already starting to let it go. And I have found that uh, some of the books that have sold uh, already were books that I've had for a long time, and some of them have some sentimental value. And so just the process of listing something for sale is already starting to let it go. Now, what you can do, and what I will probably do with uh, some of the items that I'm selling, is set a time frame. If it doesn't sell by X number of months or weeks or what have you, then I'll come up with a plan B. Uh, but I do think it is worth your time to consider some things that might have some value in which you might be able to uh, make a nice sum off of them or uh, even a profit. And as I talked about, this was a practice that I got into in grad school with my textbooks. I would regularly sell them at the end of the semester. Obviously, it's a practice I wish I had gotten into earlier, but now I'm in the process of really thinking about items to donate, thinking about items to uh, recycle and and to sell. And I do recommend as much as possible. I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, always the uh, most environmentally conscious person. I would say I'm about as environmentally conscious as, as the average person. But with certain things, you know, if you find that you have a pile of clothing, that's a lot of cloth, see if you can find a place to donate to that will recycle the scraps. It's worth it. If not, then then fine, throw it away. And and I'm not opposed to throwing something away if I can't find a recyclable solution for it. But, um, you know, it, it's just a lot of stuff to go through. Um, so I would say, yes, I, I'm on board with this idea of just donating or throwing away whatever doesn't make the cut. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also a proponent of looking at the appropriate solution for letting things go. And that might entail using something like Pango Books or Poshmark or eBay uh, to list some of those items for sale. All right. And then uh, point number five that I got out of the book is everything you keep has a pl- has its own place. And I am a huge proponent of this. This is one of the reasons why I discuss- started this process is because this was not something that... Um, uh, I was very good at. Uh, I, I would say it was, for me, it was like organized chaos, <laughs> you know, especially with uh, having categories of items in the same place and putting it back in that place. And I talked about this with tools. I would have like a hammer and a drawer, uh, you know, uh, random nails and, and things in, in different places. And now I'm much more conscientious about grouping things together. And I think that is important because it's not simply about thinning out or decluttering or, you know, reducing the amount you own. It's also about reorganizing and rethinking uh, about how you keep what you do keep, how you organize it so you know where it is. And one practice that I did mention earlier that I've actually adopted or started to adopt is the uh, kind of the cards 
or bookshelf method that Marie Kondo uses for clothing. I've started folding them and stacking them vertically so that you can kind of see them like a stack of cards as opposed to piling them on top of each other. And yes, I've gotten away from twisting socks into, into a ball uh, which um, and just kind of keeping it as a flat, you know, pair so that they can stack vertically. And I've started doing that and I actually like that method. So that's something that I've taken away. So at the end, uh, do I recommend the book? Absolutely. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. It's the first book that I read that really got me started on this. And in fact, I started my decluttering journey even before I was well into the book. And, um, while everything didn't work for me or didn't resonate with me overall, Uh, the whole rationale for reducing the amount of clutter that was driven home for me through the book. And uh, that gave me all the more incentive and uh, motivation to actually do this. So I highly recommend the book. And in fact, uh, I have it uh, linked in the write-up. I think I gave it a perfect five-star rating on Goodreads, despite the fact that not every aspect of the KonMari method works for me specifically, but for many of you, I think it will. And you will find aspects of it that I think will work well, even if all of it doesn't work well for you. All right. So that is uh, my look at the KonMari method and Marie Kondo. She also has a Netflix show. I will mention one more thing. I A couple of people have mentioned this to me, And uh, I think I've even seen a couple of these that in recent articles, Marie Kondo has kind of walked back a little bit uh, because she was she was a very strict adherent to this method and pretty much, you know, consults on this and and uh, helps others do this. But I think there have been a couple of articles where she has mentioned that since she has had kids uh, that uh, she hasn't been able to strictly adhere to it as she has once been uh, an advocate of. Uh, but despite that, that doesn't really change anything for me. I mean, um, you know, yes, I'm talking about this from the perspective of someone who doesn't have kids. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't take away anything from me, the fact that some of the things she's had to be a little more flexible on. Because the fact of the matter is I didn't follow the KonMari method uh, strictly either. So I've already kind of morphed my own process for decluttering. And I talked about last week, there is a difference in my opinion between decluttering and minimalism. And I think Marie Kondo trends a little more towards minimalism, although a lot of the book is a great work print or workflow for decluttering. So the fact that, you know, her life now as a mother means that she can't be as much of an adherent to the KonMari method as she was before. It doesn't really take away, in my opinion, from any value or um, helpful tips that you may get from reading the book. So I just wanted to mention that as well. All right, you can find the write-up at bemovingforward.com. And because next week is Thanksgiving, I can't believe we're already here, there will be no new episode next week. Episode 449 will air on Thursday, November 30th. In the meantime, I do recommend check out my Thanksgiving holiday special from about two years ago. It was a commentary on the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special, one of my favorite holiday specials. And I hope everyone has a great weekend. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving holiday. Spend it with family and loved ones and friends and eat lots of good food. And I'll be back on Thursday, November 30th. You can find the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. The views expressed by any featured guests 
are not necessarily those of the host, the program, or affiliates. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and bemovingforward.com. All rights reserved.